Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's a mon- Monday. It's Monday. Monday. It's Monday. Are you confused by the days? I'm a little confused. Yeah. yeah. It's all kind of blending together. Why point. is it blending together for you? I know it's blending together for me. Why is it blending because together? Because I've got five, six things on the go at any given time. And um, yeah, the day is just really, it's task, task, task. And I can't really keep track of what day I it totally is. I totally hear you. I totally hear you. I always know what day it is because I'm on a children's schedule. <laughs> so they've got school and their activities. So I always know what day it is because I've got to take them to their stuff. Yeah. So Monday is swim day. It's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea lately because MCQs are coming up. I guess there's a round of people that are writing in December. So I think starting from like December 2nd or something. So if, you, if you're not from Ontario or if you're not from a regulated province, that is the theoretical written portion to the, the licensing exam, the multiple choice questionnaire. And so there's a whole bunch of people because we do an OSCE prep and an MCQ prep. There's a whole bunch of people that just came out of the woodwork in the last two days calling us, emailing us saying, hey, do you do prep? Do you do prep? I'm like, when's your exam? It's like, oh, in, in two weeks. I'm like, you're starting to fucking prep now? Like, <laughs> it's, a little late. it's a little fucking late. So I've just been doing like these small groups, one-on-ones, one-on-ones, and I'm going to be doing this for the next freaking three weeks. Probably, this happened to weeks. you last year, I want to say around October, about yeah. six to seven weeks in a row, you had every day booked with one-on-ones. And it was a lot of OSCE and MCQ prep. So that's fun. Well, anyway, hey, everyone, it's Amanda. It is Monday night and it's dinner time and I haven't eaten yet. So I'm going to try to be calm, cool, collected and not hangry uh, because we do have a really cool guest here and it wouldn't be very nice for me to be mean to him. Uh, We've got Christopher here. Chris, he said I can call him whatever I want. Um, I like that it's Chris with a K because when I first read it, I read Kristoff. I'm a girl mom and they're really into Frozen. (laughs) (laughs) You were really hoping I'd come in here with like the shaggy blonde hair. <laughs> you know what? Like the opposite of me. You know why? <laughs> so uh, answers, yes. You know why he's a little touchy about that. Our oldest daughter has a wee crush on her swim instructor, who Man. has the exact same haircut as Mark. Only he's a blonde. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fuck this little kid. They say daughters and their fathers, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think she's into the swim instructor. I think she is too, man. I think I have to have a little talk with that kid. <laughs> uh, sit him down. Oh, you mean the instructor? I thought you meant with our kid. No, with, with the instructor. <laughs> like, yo, swimming only. <laughs> Keep the conversation. To a minimum. Yeah. Right? Oh, it starts already. <laughs> well, anyway. She's only six. <laughs> Chris that is here tonight, not Kristoff. Chris Christopher is an RMT and an instructor at a college. And he is going to be running for a position with the RMTAO and agreed to come in and chat with us a little bit. So, And the RMTAO, again, for anyone right. not in Ontario. I forget that. That is the Registered Massage Therapist Association of Ontario. So we have our governing body, the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario, and that would be our association. Yes. So, Chris, before we get into any questions about what you're doing, um, can you introduce yourself? So how long you've been practicing, what your practice looks like, a little bit about your teaching, and then we can get right into this exciting new adventure since you have six things on the go at any given time. Yeah. Um, so I've been practicing for six years now. Um, I've been teaching as an internship instructor for the last three. Um, So my practice uh, largely in the last two years is sort of centered around athletes. I'm working with hockey athletes specifically. Would you have guessed by looking at them that that would have been my guess? (laughs) 
As soon as you walked in, I'm like, athletes. Really? What (laughs) about him made you think that? I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just wondering. Because he looks like he's ready to fucking squat (laughs) everything under the sun right now. Yeah, I guess you are sort of in athletic clothing. By bench pressing everything, and then maybe he'll do a a fucking pegboard and pull himself up to the ceiling. (laughs) However, I wear athletic clothing almost every day, and I'm not athletic, nor do I treat athletes. So looks can be deceiving. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's called athleisure. He's got some he's got some guns in his pecs or his pecs are protruding. I'm so glad we can see that through the... I was going to say, I'm, I'm glad that Mark has checked you out enough to notice your hate. guns and your pants. <laughs> it's, not about, it's not about checking out. It's not about checking out. I'm a kid. I fucking did personal training forever. I was a gym rat once upon a time. did a postural assessment. Yeah, so, I get it. You know, I get it. After this, uh, we'll, we'll both make our pecs jump to music. <laughs> We'll just we'll pick the sounds like a plan. Yeah, it does sounds like a plan. Yeah. <laughs> only if it's Miley Cyrus. Though. Exactly. That's the only thing I'm gonna do. To be the right <laughs> do you two want to be alone? I can leave. No, you don't want to be alone. It's always better when people are watching. <laughs> anyway, you were saying you've Sorry. been uh, the last three years working with athletes. Working with athletes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the way it actually kind of worked out is where I was initially doing my first um off-campus internship that I was teaching, um, work with a, a hockey facility. Um, and they do sort of a high-performance program where they work with um, high-level athletes um, who are still in school, so elementary school right up to high school. What was the place? Called Speed. Uh, mm. Speed oh, okay. High, wow, HD. <laughs> hockey Development. Wow, I was going to say high definition, but it's HD. <laughs> Speed Hockey Development. <laughs> oh, I was trying to remember the name of the, the place. Hockey Dave? Yeah, Hockey Dave. What was Hockey Dave's place called? Uh, I have to look it up on Yeah, Instagram. we had somebody in here who like runs a like a hockey training facility like that. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so it's a high performance program. Um, and basically we bring our students in and they kindly allow us to uh, work on their athletes. Um, so just saw the way that they were running the... Uh, facility, the way that they were approaching their training. I'm also of a personal training background myself. Nice. And, um, you know, I do some, uh, not so much anymore, but I used to be pretty competitive in track and field and mm-hmm. bodybuilding and powerlifting and these kinds of things. So, See? so, you know, they're doing things really legit. Um, so, I started working with them, and I do see some um, sort of just general community-based uh, practice mm-hmm. type things, but it tends to be mainly athletes nowadays. Nice. What do you like about working with athletes? What's your favorite thing about dealing with athletes? Um, I think the willingness to follow through with uh, home care. Yes. Um, yeah. That's, that's, probably a, my that's exactly thing. what. I always say when we're talking about athletes, the the greatest part is that they want to get better. They want to get back to their game. Yeah. So they'll do whatever you tell them to do. Pretty so, much. So yeah, that's definitely nice. If is anything, there anything, you're you... often holding that. Sorry, to your, I think you were going to say if anything that I don't like. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, if anything, you have to hold them back sometimes. Yeah. So trying to tell them when they're doing too much or where they need to make an adjustment um, that doesn't necessarily fit with what they want to do yeah um that can be a little bit more difficult Um, do you encounter clients uh like athletes specifically who lie to you like you know they're lying just because they want to they want to speed up the process no 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 i think because there's that confidentiality they know that i'm never going to go back to their coach or Mm -hmm. their trainer and say like oh actually so and so has been telling me this in the clinic when you know you told me that he's been telling you that so i think because there's that barrier there they feel 
pretty they'll, open they'll with me. They'll trust you, yeah. And I've, um, I feel like also then when athletes, when it comes to things like training and recovery and rehabilitation, it's just all serious business. It's mm-hmm. no, it's there's no fucking around with it, right? All the other shit that they do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking around. So notes, note for all of you fathers and mothers out there: do not let your daughters date anyone that plays team sports. Right? He's, he's smiling because he knows that's nah, true. Good guys. Do not, do not let that happen. Any athletes listening? Sorry, but, send but, hate mail to. Like Mark. I said, when it comes down to 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 training and rehabilitation and anything to do with the craft it's 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 all it's all it's all real mm-hmm. there's no line there's no nothing it's just fucking hardcore get it done do yeah. did you go to the same school where you were teaching at i did hmm. yeah. is that is that one of the reasons why you decided to pursue uh, teaching there um so the way that came about and it's something i tell my students all the time is that just leave a good mark anywhere you go anywhere anytime you meet someone anytime you have an interaction with someone because you don't really know when and where it's going to come back to help you. Yeah. Such a different philosophy than me, man. I'm like, <laughs> I went, you said, you're like, leave a good mark. I'm like, mark my territory. I'm like, I'll come to your house and I'll piss in the corner of your room. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. We, we have slightly different philosophy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's leaving your mark in a different way. Exactly. Totally exactly. different way. No, but I agree that uh, there's not... You shouldn't burn a bridge unless there's a reason to burn that bridge, right? Like I've left every every job I've ever been at or every clinic that I've ever rented space, anywhere that I've left, I've left on very good terms. You know, it's just... I need to grow. This isn't working out, and you know, see you later. You know because... what? I'm not gonna lie though. That, that that is getting way more challenging for me now that I'm older. Like, and we were talking about age the other night because Amanda's much younger than me and i think we're getting to a point where my age and then the way i think is that was yesterday old man yeah exactly (laughs) the other day the other day was yesterday (laughs) i I think we're getting to a point where like i'm an old person territory and you're still kind of a young person territory so like you gotta just kind of cross that fucking bridge to get there but you're not there yet so we think differently and so when you i would have thought that this don't burn bridges thing leave every like kind of just leave everything on good terms and always leave the opportunities open now that i'm old i'm like fuck it how does not play how nice many, in the sandbox anymore I, no, <laughs> I, I i feel like if i'm going to burn a bridge I, there's there's reason to and i'm okay to do it and i'm fine to not look back yeah. because the, the, the explosions are reflecting on the inside of my sunglasses as i walk away so i can see it happen anyway i don't have to turn back i don't even think necessarily it's that you <laughs> need to just leave an impression, preferably a good impression. But just when when you leave a situation, have them know who you are yeah. and yeah. what well, you're a, about. It's a great idea. Yeah. Good impression's a good idea. Don't yeah. listen to me. I'm yeah. a fucking dummy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I um, worked with um, the uh, program coordinator at the time of the uh, college that I work for. She was um, working on her, I believe it was her PhD, PhD. thesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And part of what she was looking at was the uh, male experience in massage therapy. Cool. And so she put out a message on the RMTAO board before it was taken down and was asking if anyone would be willing, any male RMTs would be willing to give sort of their perspective and how uh, they've experienced the profession thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in with really no ulterior motive just to, you know, be part of that um, interview. And uh, part of what I mentioned in that interview was that, you know, I'm really interested in education and sort of, um, seeing this profession move forward and see what the future and what we can make of it. Um, and she let me know that, you know, if an opportunity comes up, I'll, I'll let you know. And it's one of those things where you kind of walk away like, okay, yeah, sure. Nice thing to say on the way out the door and mm-hmm. then we'll see if it ever comes about. And um, I remember distinctly finishing um, 
treating a patient and uh, opening up my email. And it's like, yeah, you know, it was just within a couple of months, like a position became available. And um, yeah, it's been every year since. Do you love teaching? I do. What's your favorite part of teaching? You know, I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I find that uh, no matter how old I get, I still feel like I'm a big kid sometimes. Mm. So I have <laughs> um, nieces and nephews, and it's the hardest thing to uh, be the adult in the room with them sometimes because I just get right down on their level and you're, you kind of play with them on their own level. And so uh, when I was uh, much younger, I guess not much younger, but when I was younger, um, I wanted to um, be a high school teacher. And I just realized that when I was, I did an internship when I was in grade 11 with a uh, elementary school. Mm -hmm. And I just found that like, I was just making friends with, <laughs> with these kids more than anything. Um, and you do need to maintain sort of that air of being, you know, I am still the adult in the room right. and still maintain that air of sort of responsibility. And I find that in the college setting, uh, while you still need to maintain some of those same boundaries, that you're able to have much more of a real relationship where Absolutely. it's like, okay, listen, you're paying to be here. And, you know, this is information that you're trying to get because you want to be a professional. In well, field. exactly. And they're going to yeah. be your colleagues. Soon, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not you're, you're not, not talking down to them in a way that like, OK, yeah. well, listen here. Hey, and sometimes they're just they're even my fucking senior. They're older than me. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's true. true. I feel true. weird about. Uh, anyway. Yeah, that's just me with age. But yeah, I like teaching. I always I mean, I think that's what the three of us all worked in personal training. Right. The thing that I loved about training was teaching somebody something that. I know about you don't know let me let me help you yeah and I yeah I like I like teaching I've, I've done clinic supervision I teach continuing education courses there is something really fun about teaching I wouldn't want to teach kids though like yeah. I've said that before I, Neither would I. And not because I'm like the fun uncle like you are <laughs> like not for that reason I don't know I have no interest in teaching children I admire people who do I but no even, i don't even like kids i like our kids I mean, <laughs> seriously i don't really care about kids other than ours even their friends i'm like fuck off <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking and i like that <laughs> i do i do really like kids but no i don't think i would want to be a teacher i have friends who are teachers i'm like good for you but no not and it's not it. just because you like teaching doesn't mean that there's so many different aspects of it because i can yeah. even you know after saying that um i prefer to teach small groups when I have to, even when it was personal training, I, I like the one-on-one -on -one interaction yes. or the small group interaction. Um, when I, if I had to like do a gym class or something like that, where I've got like 30 people and it's a very general, non-specific, I, I don't enjoy that so much. I like the one-on-one -on -one interaction. I'm reliving. I told a story on one of the episodes a while back about the first time I ever had to teach a group class and I completely bombed. I was terrible. I was great one-on-one. -on -one. I got in front of, there's probably, I don't know, 20, 25. It wasn't even a huge class, like maybe 20 women in front of me. And I just bombed. I was terrible. I'm like, nope, not never, for me. I never did groups. I only did like one on one I stuff, did or maybe two. One people. time, one time, and I was terrible. I didn't I'm like, okay, hey, not for me. <laughs> I knew that would be the same experience. Yeah. I would bomb terribly. <laughs> yeah, I was horrible. So sorry to all those women who paid to take my class. Yeah, actually, the bridge burn thing, actually, it's actually, I'm thinking about it now. And I'm thinking about how I think I might have burnt a bridge where you work. Where you work, I was invited to be on the advisory council, and I didn't respond promptly 
because I was thinking about it. And then I did respond like maybe a week later, just maybe asking for some, some more information about it, about the time commitment. But in that time, I had also recorded a podcast and in my usual just go off fashion, I, I really slammed somebody associated with your school. Not by name, but I really slammed this particular person. I still stand by what I fucking said there. But then um, I, I, didn't, I didn't get anything back on that email. I got ghosted. And I was like, is that, is that because of what I did? Down there. Yes, I yes, it is. Heard anything? <laughs> yes, yes, it well, is. I, I wasn't. I wasn't really asking if that was the case, but I was. I thought maybe that was, or I thought maybe maybe they just came to their senses and they're like, "Why do we even ask that <laughs> in the first place?" I'm happy he responded really late, and now I'm just not going to respond altogether. But yeah, so maybe maybe burning bridges is not the best idea, or maybe it was. Maybe you weren't meant to be on that board. I I don't know if I, <laughs> I I'm ever since I left teaching formally, I'm really kind of anti-establishment, which is why I'm so freaking interested in what you're doing and why you want to do what you're doing. For the life of me, I I have no desire. I've been I people have told me you should probably do something like that or or you know apply or you know for CMTO council or something like something in these positions and I'm like I just have zero desire to do it. Which I find really interesting and that's why? I like I'm I want to get to you the conversation we were having the other night. Yes. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <Just> last night. <laughs> yeah. Um we were talking about like there's a lot of people who like to, for lack of a better term, complain about the way things are done at the CMTO or the way things are done at the RMTAO. Okay, and yeah. when I see the complaints, I'm like, okay, then if you have enough of a voice to make these complaints public and like post things on Facebook yeah. or talk about things on a podcast or yeah. whatever, then do something, you know, like apply for a position. You want to make change, make change. And we were talking about like, if you're a person who doesn't agree with the establishment do you think that it would be better to get yourself involved to try to make positive changes or do you just stay away from it because no, our change is actually going to happen? You do, you do what we're doing and you say, I think the establishment won't have me. I don't want to be part of it. I think the industry can go a much better way. I, not a much better way, but I think there could be changes that could be embraced and... I'm going to go create the voice for it instead. So I don't need your hold RMTAO of 6,000, 7,000 people when there's 15,000 massage therapists in Ontario. So you only have, you only have the, the ear of less than half. And I've got the ear of way more people just by doing this. And we came up, so do you see what I'm saying? So I go about it in the, in the, in the roundabout competition way. I understand that. And that was but the conversation. But brings change. The only thing that right. I do, but the only <laughs> thing that I do would maybe, maybe someone hears it and becomes mindful about certain things and they start to, you know, add things in or do things differently or whatever the case is. I want to get to your reasons for wanting to be part of the RMTAO. But based on what we're saying, like, is, is it that you see that there's there's change that you could possibly bring or do you just like love the association and want to be a part of it? Like which side or is are you it just on? like an experience thing? Like, Hey, this <laughs> Oh yeah. Is... So th there's uh, I think to your point, Mark, there's uh, different ways of bringing about change. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean the, the, I guess very official way is through something like the RMTA yes. going through sort of uh, the board of directors right. and, you know, being able to affect change through mm -hmm. directly through the profession. Now that being said, you know, getting your voice out through something like a podcast or yep. being someone who creates content or just does anything sort of in that realm where you're still sort of in people's ear. You're, you're having an effect in a different way. Mm -hmm. And maybe in some ways in, in a more, 
meaningful way in the sense that, you know, you hop into your car and, you know, twice a week you can listen to a podcast and you're hearing these thoughts and opinions, maybe more often that you might be apt to go on to exactly. the RMTO you're webpage. Ch- you're choosing to tune in and hear us. They're sending their message to my inbox. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now yeah, that you know, being said, so when you're trying to make change in the sense that you're you're trying to reach people in um in government positions in positions of affecting policy right yeah, um yeah. and having it become materialized uh, then that's where sort of these official bodies come into Absolutely. play Absolutely. Um, and they allow you to have that effect so f- for me personally i think that we have such a unique circumstance sort of that we're in now as a profession and really just as a a society in general in the sense that you know we all experienced those uh lockdowns in march um Mm -hmm. and you know there was this whole discussion towards you know essential versus non-essential and you know who deserves to be um you know able to work and who's not able to work and there's a lot sort of going on in terms of policy um and who makes policy and you know, where uh, that policy goes and what direction it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, whenever there's opportunity for change, you know, people don't want to make change when uh, things are nice and peaceful and calm because it's like, okay, don't don't break mm-hmm. what's not broken kind of thing. Even if everything's not necessarily perfect, yep. um, there's, you know, a, a tendency to sort of just go with the flow. But, yeah, status quo. Cool. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, um, you know, things are uh, a little broken. Um, so there's an opportunity for us to sort of make our voices heard to... Um, you know, reach for for change within the profession. Mm. Um, and, and another thing that sort of is, you know, concerning for me that really makes me want to have my voice heard is, you know, the way that um, companies are sort of adjusting their viewpoints on, again, that, that same topic of what is essential versus non-essential. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, businesses making decisions on, you know, what are we going to cover um, in our next, um, you know, when we uh, renew insurance for the company yep. is, this going to be covered as opposed to that? And to what degree should it be covered? Right. Um, and we need to have our voice in that conversation as to why massage therapy is mm-hmm. essential, mm-hmm. why it is something that um, should be uh, considered right up there with the other healthcare profession. I 100% agree. And this is another discussion that we've had in recent times. Maybe, I don't know if it was because of COVID we or whatever. We talk a lot, dude. Man, you I need to smoke that. less. Um, but we were having a discussion about how some other associations, like dental associations, chiro oh, yeah. associations, physio associations, they're, they, they're, advertise. they advertise. They're in our face more. They're in the public's face they more. They advertise the profession. Yes. And... You know, we've always questioned this, but we were talking about it a lot recently. Like, do we see that from the RMTAO? Like, you know, a a big problem that people no, not exactly. And a big problem that therapists always talk about is that, you know, the public doesn't really understand what we do and why we're important. The medical profession doesn't understand what we do and why we're important. I've talked about, you know, that ridiculous time where a medical doctor booked an appointment with me and then asked me if I've ever studied anatomy. I was like, are you kidding me? But they, they truly don't know because if somebody comes in with a soft tissue injury, what are they doing? go see a physio, right? Yeah. We're never considered. And I think that, you know, the RMTAO maybe needs to do a little more in that sense. I agree with you about like the policy and talking to government. I mean, the fact that Doug Ford didn't know how to differentiate us from estheticians when things were locked down. It's okay. I that can, was, that's hey, a problem, I, right? I, I couldn't tell him what he does in his job. So, you know. No, but like as as what Chris is saying, if we, if 
if as a profession, we want to affect any kind of change when it comes to policy with something as ridiculous as a pandemic, like, are we essential? Or are we not essential? If the premier of the province can't tell you why you can get a massage, but you can't go get a facial or a haircut or whatever we were compared to in, in that time, that's a problem. He should have some sort of idea that we're regulated healthcare. We're not. Should he? Should he really? There's people that are in regulated healthcare that don't know what other regulated healthcare are. He's not anything to do with. And I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so maybe yeah. not him, but right? the minister of health was standing next to him, and she shrugged. Okay, her shoulders. well, that's a different story. Right? <laughs> I agree with you there. And I think a lot of it has to do with. I mean, to your point, like, just what is our public image, and maybe that that is part of the route that we need to take in terms of getting um, that perception out there. Because I'm sure you would agree that and, and most therapists that have built up a sort of solid evidence-based um, you know, clinic where they uh, see patients and they do all the things that we're supposed to do based off of our, our, our guidelines and our, our education, and they're not just following sort of a you know, in the door, what hurts, let me rub that area right. type of approach. I okay. think most people that have built uh, a clientele of that like through that method those people understand you know the people that come to see them fully understand 100%. your value 100% and so this when people is... come to you i'm sure that you know when, when people come to me sometimes i have to tell them no you need to go talk to your your general practitioner about this right <laughs> they come to you almost for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. things that are, are not necessarily you know i shouldn't be the first yeah. first line of defense here but when you've built up a, a good client base in that sense, you have people who fully and truly understand what you do. Yep. So to, to your point, Mark, I, I don't know if, if, if anyone, you know, it, it, it does have a lot to do with our, our public perception and uh, the way that people view us uh, in the totality. Because if you ask someone what a physiotherapist does, yep. most people don't know exactly don't what know is exactly. within a physiotherapist. But, but this goes. is what I'm saying. So like if you're, if you're cruising in social media land, you're going to actually see a lot of paid advertising by the physiotherapy association you know what and it's all of it is all it is is advertising for the profession saying their hashtag is their hashtag is like we are pts like they even have a whole hashtag fucking strategy to go along with it do you see what i'm saying imagine your clinic was putting together an ad for physiotherapy services the association is doing that for all of them to yeah. the general public. Yeah, and I do and I do like that. As much as I don't have an issue with public perception because of what you just said, Chris, the people that come to see me because my practice is really focused on uh, treatment and it's not just where does it hurt, let me rub that spot. I, I feel like the people that need to know what I do, they know what I do and yeah, they but, refer but just in and, general for people knowing what what we do or what we're capable of doing. I feel like the I feel like the association does a great job of advertising to itself, to its members. This is right. what we do. This is what we're all about. Please stay our membership. Uh, tell a friend and have them sign up. And then there's probably going to be some sort of benefit to you. Like instead of advertising to the general public, this is massage therapy. Massa hashtag massage therapy helps. You know, whatever the fucking thing is. Instead of this internal advertising to the choir. You're preaching to the choir. You're, you're telling us how important you are. I'm a member, man. I know how important you are. <laughs> to that you know point, I mean? though, like you said, yeah, yeah. we for them to be able to take on some of the initiatives, we need more representation. You need, so we need, need members. A, we need members. Yep. You need a greater percentage than currently exists to yes. uh, want to engage with it's, the RMTO. It, it is the biggest Catch-22 circle ever. It is, yeah. Because the non-member looks at the association and says, 
I don't see the value in it. And the association saying, I can't display value unless you join. So, I mean, I, I've thought about that a lot. And I think for me, it comes back to, um, you know, how do you build a structure? You, you, you have to start from the ground up. So for me, it all comes back to starting uh, with education hmm. and starting with those new grads who are coming in and having them. So I, I, I was laughing a couple of days ago and I was thinking about this. And maybe this just speaks to how naive I was when I first got into the profession. I did not know that there was an option to not be part of the RMTAO when I came out of school. <laughs> when uh, I first, and it's not that, that I don't think that that was the way. I mean, I can't even think back to what exactly was that. We were definitely spoken to a lot about right. how important it was to be a part of the RMTAO and what they do for us in yep, terms yep, of advocating yep. for us. But it took me until like the second or third time that I renewed. I'm like, oh, I can I can opt out of being a member, and I didn't choose to, right. but it was stressed in such an in such a way that it was so important for us to be mm -hmm. parts of the RMTAO if we want to be represented if we want to have our needs brought forward to you know the CMTO and yeah, to yeah, the yeah. public at large that um you know I just feel that it's something that really needs to be stressed as RMTs are graduating and entering the profession mm -hmm. so that they understand you know, a lot of people are looking for just what are the in in your face benefits, and yes. and personally, the in your face benefits we saw it even when we looked at. The, I mean, you can look at all the thing, the good life membership, and all the things that whether you use that or not is you know neither here or there. Right. But even the way that the information for for COVID, when we were looking at reopening our clinics, and the way that they put together just a very clear checklist of you need to do this, it was super helpful. I found super that super helpful. Extremely helpful. I, I need my thoughts organized sometimes. And you can ask Mark, that's exactly what I did when we were gonna reopen. I'm like, just what does the RMTAO say to do? And I just literally just use that. This is what I'm gonna do. Um I had the opposite experience as you when I was in school. Oh, about the, learning. We RMTA. didn't we didn't I don't remember much discussion about the association. I don't remember discussing anything other than the insurance, which I've heard from other therapists. Like it was just about, oh, you can get your insurance through the RMTAO or you can go this route. Like we didn't really talk about the association much. And I don't know if maybe I missed it or if just the instructors didn't put a lot of emphasis on it. All I remember is a poster hanging in our classroom about the RMTAO. I don't remember any discussion about it. So when I first came out of school, my initial thought was, well, why would I pay the CMTO this money and then pay the RMTAO this money? Like, yeah. I had no idea why I would do that. And I think that and I think it is something that they do in part, but maybe that's something that needs to be addressed as well. Um, you know, having people go into yes, yep. these schools as yeah. they're, you know, speaking to the, not even just the graduating classes, right? Right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. Right from the yeah. beginning is so important. It's so much harder for the RMTAO to get the person that's already been practicing five, six, seven years to join the association because I've been practicing for five, six, seven years and I'm I'm reaping the benefits of whatever you're doing anyway. So why, I, why should I join at this point? Like I can see that idea. So hitting them before they even get into the profession is gold. And it's I think absolute goal for me that that's a, a big part of why I want to be on the board of directors as well, because aside from all the shifts that are happening in terms of COVID and policy and all these things is I feel like the profession is really changing hmm. and you might be able to speak to this even better than I might be able to speak to it. But I know that uh, going through school, a lot of my instructors uh, used to say, stress this idea that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the profession was very much so like a secondary profession. Like people were getting into it as like a secondary thing where it's like, oh, well, I've been a teacher for 30 years and now I want to do this as like a part-time gig kind of thing. Um, it, it it wasn't something that was 
you know, people coming right out of high school and actually choosing massage therapy as this is my profession. No, it was what. definitely more of a second career thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think now you have a lot of very young people mm-hmm. coming into the profession. Um, and there's a lot of information out there, even for myself, you know, only having been in practice for six years, yep. the way that information is dispersed in terms of social media, in terms of what people know coming into the profession, you're getting a lot more skeptical students. You're getting students who want um, more information about the things that they're learning um, yeah. and understanding the process because, oh, well, I saw this on an infographic on Instagram, but that's sort of in opposition to maybe what I'm, I- I've learned here. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like we've had a lot of, we get massage students who come in here to take yeah. some courses even before they graduate or, you know, we do OSCE prep, we do MCQ. I feel the students are younger and younger and younger. <laughs> I feel it's like that in the community colleges. I don't think the landscape of the the private career colleges has changed. I think you see a lot of the questioning and thirst for knowledge and really loving and wanting to be part of the profession coming from the community colleges versus, I mean, yes, the, the private career colleges for sure, especially the larger legacy schools. I'm talking the, all of, there's, there's what, 50 something massage schools in Ontario or something like that. That number's probably going to decrease, but. But yeah. I mean, the bottom line is like, we're talking about places right now in like, there's five of them. There's six of them seven tops do you know what i mean where they produce that and they and they attract that type of student mm-hmm. right so we're really talking I, I i don't have any basis for this i feel we're talking about the minority of students here yeah and I, I don't know specifically i would like to, to look at the numbers in terms of that but um the, i'm just the, judging i'm just going by every every person that i've because we do continuing education right yeah. so i get to see people that have come from this tiny school in cornwall and this school in hamilton and this school in wherever and this large school in toronto right so i kind of get the flavor for what all the schools are kind of about and just hearing everyone talk about it and i think the, the point that i was sort of getting at earlier was just the idea that with people coming in with more of a this is going to be my lifelong profession yeah. as a mindset. Now you have people who are maybe more interested in the profession and its advancement as a whole, mm-hmm. rather than I'm going to come in, do this for five, 10 years to make a little bit of cash on the side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all that stuff is, you know, the direction of the profession doesn't really uh, apply to me because this isn't something that like I'm really viewing as like a, a long-term future career right, goal. Right, right. Um, so, you know, that that's another thing, again, just reaching, um, students as they're entering school and all throughout their schooling to yeah. talk to them about the importance of the RMTO. Because if you are viewing this as, you know, something that you're going to do and retire from mm-hmm. and, you know, look into different avenues. And then it matters to, to you. Then, then it matters. And yeah. it matters in a very big way. I can say, I can say this now because I don't have this mentality now. But when I went to, went to massage school, it was sort of that idea. Not that I was I wasn't super old. I was in my 20s when I went to massage school, but I didn't go into it with like, this is going to be a new career for me or what I was just like, this is kind of cool. I have a background because I have a degree in kinesiology. This is interesting. I think this is something I'd like to learn. And, you know, maybe I'll do it as a part time job. And oh, maybe if I don't like it, I'll whatever. I never would have expected that I would dive headfirst into this profession and become like <laughs> hosting a podcast about massage well, therapy. Like never. Because at least you had an interest in it. I didn't even have a fucking interest in it. You just needed to do something. Right? Yeah. I was just looking for something to do and to meet people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, like I, I didn't really like 
take it super seriously. And I think that's part of why, like I said, when I came out of school, I didn't see the value of the RMTAO. And I remember being at a massage conference one time, and this was after Mark and I had started teaching continuing education. That's why we were at the conference to network and meet people. And yeah, so we're sitting at this booth. And I remember this, um, this woman coming over RMT and she was, I don't know if she was on the board of directors or if she was just, I don't know, part of one of the CBNs. I have no idea. I'm not really certain, but she was basically lecturing me on like how important it is to be a part of the association and why I need to get more involved and have my voice heard in this and that. And I remember listening to her thinking like, wow, like you take your job really seriously. And I think back At to my, booth, she was doing this. Yes. Was that conversation repelling people from coming to our booth? I feel like that would have. No, her and I were sort of talking <laughs> off to the side. Oh, okay, you were okay, talking okay. to people, I don't know. but I remember almost thinking she was ridiculous for how like intense and passionate she was about massage. And then like fast forward a few years and I was like, I was the ridiculous one, you know, like I should care more if this is what I'm dedicating my life to. Why didn't I care? But I didn't care. Like it took me years of being an RMT to actually care. And I don't think everyone is going to necessarily be that passionate. And it's why we don't have 500 people running for the board of directors. And it's why we don't have 15,000 members of the RMTAO. And I I do agree that, you know, you don't necessarily need to be the most you should care. It should matter to you mm-hmm. what the direction of the profession is going and that you have yeah. people advocating uh, in your behalf. And so you should at least have that level of care, um, yeah, for sure. which would you know compel you to want to be a member of the RMTAO. But, you know, for the people who really are going to be those, you know, really strong advocates for it, then that's, you know, that's a role that they can fill. And that's something that obviously Absolutely. that lady wanted to, to do. <laughs> I wish I remembered her name, but like I said, I did. Sorry if you're listening. I didn't give a shit. I was like really doing a good job pretending. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. She's like, you should come to the next town hall. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. And I like remembered saying to Mark, like, I'm not going. It's so funny. <laughs> it's such a funny go. If I had an, any idea, I would be doing now what I'm doing now in this field in this profession. When I first started, I would have been no fucking way. Like I said, I wasn't going to school to be anything serious with it. I already had a job. I had a career. I was doing, and I was just going, well, let's just go do stuff, and maybe I'll add this in if it works. Yeah. And blah blah blah. Like that kind of thing. This is going to be like kind of a fun side hustle for me. Now it's my entire life. Yeah. There's times where I have to say to Mark, like, can we not talk about massage for like five it's hours? Really fucking weird, eh? Because that's all we fucking do. <laughs> it is an easy topic to kind of get get lost in. Yeah, for sure. So when did you decide, like, I'm going to do this? Did somebody put you up to it? Was it somebody suggested, or has it been something you've been thinking about? It's something that I've definitely been thinking about. I feel like um, it was all. Every answer is like, yes. <laughs> it is. It really is all those things. Um, because I, I, I did have um, one person really sort of put it into my ear in a way that it's something that she knew that I was thinking about. And That's good. Um, again, to, to some of the points that I brought up earlier, just it being a really good time in terms of maybe being being able to actually influence some change um, and just to bring, you know, um, you know, I'm obviously going to be one of, you know, the younger people on the board if I were to, you know, be elected onto it um, and, and to add a different perspective to it, to, to give that sort of younger perspective and what I've seen in the profession in, in the six years um, that I've been in it. I think there's so much value to listening to younger 
eager, greener therapist. I know, and it makes me wonder if old farts even bother doing stuff like that. Or are they too lost in their own fucking old way? You know what? I, I, one thing that I will say, and I, I think you know, maybe it is just because of uh, of age, but I think it, a lot of it has to do with my personality. I'm a very open-minded person. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very not set in my ways and the ways that uh, I think about things and the way that I approach things. But at the same time, which I think is important for someone to be um, you know, on the opposite side of that, if you're going to be on something like a board of directors where you're trying to uh, influence change and, you know, make meaningful, uh, you know, change to, to uh, the direction of the profession. Um, I'm also not someone that really tolerates nonsense. I, I can't hear things that are nonsensical or things that are, I, I don't like what very happens fluffy. If you do? What happens? What happens? <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, I just, I, I can't, I, I'm going to speak up. It, okay. It's not a matter of like, I can't hear like when, Oftentimes, I find that, you know, if you're sitting down in, in meetings and, and things of these nature, which, you know, a large part of uh, being on the board of directors is going to be taking part in meetings and things yeah. of this nature. Um, for me, I'm, I'm always thinking, okay, well, what's the what's the end goal? Like, yeah. what, what is the end that we're trying to reach here? Yep. Because sometimes I find conversation and meetings in general, it's like everyone's talking and everyone's using a lot of big fancy words. And it's like, okay, well, what are we actually <laughs> trying? Well, what is the so actual true. thing that we're accomplishing? You're like, can we, we get to the fucking point, please? And because so, oftentimes what'll happen is everyone will get up at the end. We'll be, oh, that was good. That was good. Everyone will leave and then we'll turn to each other in the hall. Like, okay, well, what's happening now? What are the Nothing next steps? Done. What did we accomplish? Is there is there anything that came out of that? I know. I feel like I that's almost every corporate meeting I've ever attended. I mean, it's been years since I've worked in a corporate environment, but we'd go to this meeting, we'd all talk, we'd like eat the bagels and then we'd walk out and like, so like are you supposed to send that email are you doing that who took notes like it, that's it, it It got nowhere so just having like a meaningful action plan and saying mm-hmm. okay well here's some actual action items and not to even just leave it as an open discussion like yeah. who is doing what yes. what are we yes. trying to get it yes. done by and what is the the end of this goal like what are we actually trying to accomplish because if i accomplish a b and c then we'll be able to accomplish D and this is how this is move this moves the massage therapy profession forward. Mm. And um that's what I really hope to to bring forward um to you know the board of directors is you know I'm sure that in a way that, that that's being done in, in its own right, but uh, to have more people with that mindset that aren't just there to kind of listen and you know follow along with the status quo mm-hmm. um is gonna only be to to the benefit. Um and and again to to, to the point that I, I brought up earlier that um, we are really in such a good time to affect that that change. There, there's so many things circling and, and changing in terms of mindsets and um, the way that the public is perceiving things, the way that mm-hmm. we as massage therapists are perceiving things. Um, so yeah, I think there's never been a better time. So aside from getting in more into education, that was a point you brought up that you think that you know the RMTAO really needs to sort of be in the schools and getting students on board right from day one. What other areas do you feel like we have a good opportunity to to change things in the profession? So one of the things that, uh, I mean, I feel like it shouldn't really be something that, you know, someone pushes back against the idea, but something I feel very passionate about is uh, our need for accreditation. I okay. think that um, we, if we are to be respected and taken seriously as a profession, mm-hmm. there needs to be uh, an accreditation process. Uh, that does exist, but I feel that it really needs to be made mandatory, um, and it needs to be uh, a means of, you know, here are the standards that we are holding ourselves to, and here are the standards that we are holding the schools to, and this is the type of education, this is the type of person that when you 
enter into this school and when you graduate from this school, within a certain line, you're never going to find, I, I hate that we always make the comparison of us to to physios and, and chiropractors, but in a lot of ways, you know, there's one chiropractic school in yep. Ontario, and I believe there are two or three physiotherapy schools. I'm just going to believe you. I'm not sure. But yeah, <laughs> there are very few, especially. Well, when yeah, you... definitely. When you compare to, as Mark said, there's like 50 massage yeah. schools in Ontario. Um, and Is I, accreditation I, I... not mandatory? So, I'm okay, not quite, so I don't quite understand okay. the, the accreditation. The, I, the idea with the whole accreditation thing is that the original organization comes together and they create this interjurisdictional competency document, yeah. right? And the whole point of that document is that to first have all regulated provinces kind of standardize their education and mm -hmm. teach to these competencies and their licensing exams would be reflecting the competencies mm -hmm. as well. And that way it allow for easy mobility from regulated province to regulated province to regulated province. That's the idea, right? And then we have unregulated provinces as well that are fully on board with something like this because they want that as well. They want their people to be able to be moved to BC or Ontario or whatever mm -hmm. the case is. And everyone's got the same type of education. And that's the original plan. And then the idea is they were supposed to be rolling all this out and going through the accreditation process with schools to, and have a deadline that said, this is the deadline for schools to be accredited. And if your program is not accredited, your graduates are not permitted to write the exam. That is the idea. But so this that whole, sounds pretty mandatory. But this, but this whole process is just taking super, super, Got it. super okay. long. And then you have changes that are happening along the way. So for example, BC was in this originally. BC dropped out of this whole thing. Mm. So they've it, 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 it becomes a dirty mess. And then you have a whole bunch of schools... You you got some great ones that they want to be the pioneers into it first. You've got some other schools that are honestly just doing it because now it's a marketing tool, right? We're accredited. They're not. Come here. Do you see what I'm saying? So uh, the idea is awesome. I love the idea. The process to me is just like so super slow. But just to play devil's advocate on this, if I'm like... 30 years in, I'm 25 years in, profession to me already has a certain perception to it and I've dealt with it for 30 years and I've come to terms with what it is. Why do I fucking care? You about, don't. Exactly. Why, but, well, but maybe, Chris, I don't know. I'm Chris just, isn't I'm saying, necessarily speaking I'm to not, you. I'm, why? But I, I'm just, I'm, I'm giving this uh, other way to think about it. Yeah. And then maybe you have to do a little bit of a sales job on that particular person. Why do I care? What do I care? What happens in the school system? I know it makes the profession better, but at the end of the day, I'm thirty. I'm twenty five years in. Why do I care what happens at the school system? Why, like, why do I care if the profession gets better? Because but you know you, what, you don't. That's what I'm saying. This is about the people who care about the future, the but newbies. Hold on, but hold on. Part of my registration money is funding this fucking thing. Not much of it, but part of it is, right? Ontario of all of the of all of the provinces that are funding this, Ontario is putting the most amount of money into it, and that money comes from the membership. And if I don't give a shit, because you said I don't, twenty five years in, what do I care about the schools and the school system and even the whole the whole notion of what the profession looks like? I've been in it, I've accepted it, I'm okay with it. Maybe I even like it. What do I care? There's a certain amount. Uh, that's a very true point. Um, I think that there's a certain amount of just like, you know, it's something that, again, why I tend to look towards uh, building from the foundation and, and speaking to sort of that new therapist is because it is hard to sometimes reach people who just are so far into it that it's just like, well, like, what do I care anymore? Yeah, but they don't care. Exactly. My hope would be that if you have been in the profession for 25, 30 years 
And this is something that you've made a career of, and this is something that you've taken pride in, and that you're obviously doing at a certain level of competency that you've been able to do it for so long, that you care in the same way that, you know, I hold massage therapists to a very high standard in my mind because I know the education that I had to go through mm -hmm. and I know the way that I practice. So when I look mm -hmm. at a massage therapist that's 30 years in, I say like, wow, like what a great career, like good for them because, you know, look at what you've accomplished within our career. I would hope that that person would look at the profession and say that even though I'm close to retirement, even though I'm close to not being in this profession anymore, or I'm just at the point where even if I do have a little bit more time that like I'm beyond really wanting to see any change, yeah. that I still care about the reputation of this profession just because, you know, in the same way that someone can sit down at a dinner party and say that, you know, um, my son-in-law here is a doctor and take some pride in that. I, you know, here's my daughter-in-law. This is a physiotherapist. Like, I like she's it, a chiropractor. Man. Nice. Mm -hmm. There should be that same pride to saying that, look, this is my, my son. He's a massage therapist. It's like, oh, wow. And how do you get to that point without having a standard that when people look at it, they say like, wow, like they have to do what they have to, there's only five schools in the province and yeah. they had to have this mark to enter into it. And they had to, you know, go through the, you know, part of what you were saying before about, you know, taking, I know for myself, I got into the profession because, you know, to be quite honest, I was a personal trainer. I was working out one day, I broke my hand and my sister was an insurance adjuster and she was working from home one day. And she said to herself, you know, she's going through all these insurance claims. She's like, oh, you know, it looks like massage therapy. I'm seeing a lot of claims from massage therapists. <laughs> You're like a yeah. very physical kind of hands-on guy. Like you like, Seems you know, like anatomy. Kind of match, things. Yeah. So that's what got me into it. When I started to take it seriously is when I went into my first year and I saw the amount of anatomy and the physiology. And I was like, oh, like, this is hard. This is, <laughs> like, this is, I was really going into it thinking that this was going to be, and, you know, I had a bit of a fitness background. So I understood, you know flexion and extension and you know the, the yeah, really yeah, yeah. basics of it yeah. um but the, by the time we got to week two i mean i was you know trying to catch up with the material myself mm. um and it made me have a respect for it so um you know i'm getting a little bit off track here but i think that for you know having a program that you know a standard for schools where we take pride in who we are and what mm -hmm, we do with massage mm -hmm. therapists and that radiating to the communities amongst us who then have, you know, their good experience with their massage therapist and then their family member who knows how mm -hmm. hard it is to, you know, get into these schools and mm -hmm. to succeed in this profession, that it all just sort of permeates from there. Um, so, you know, yeah, to, to, to your question, I would just hope that those more experienced massage therapists would have pride in the profession yeah. that they want to And a lot see of it. them do. I, oh, I, know I, I know definitely. I was saying like, you don't, you don't, but I can like, at the top of my head, probably named like 10 therapists who have been practicing 20 plus years, some even 30 plus years that they do care. And you know why they care? Because they've watched the profession change decade over decade and they've seen how far it's come. And I think that they already have this pride. Like, look at where we were in 1990, 1991. Look at where we are now. You know, like I think... I think they do care and I think it is a sense of pride to be like, yeah, I'm I'm still part of this and I've been in this for 30 years and you kids coming out of school, you have no idea what it used to be. <laughs> so I think they do care. And I, f I feel like I would be like that as well because like I said, I didn't care. And now here I am 10 years in and I'm like, fuck, I obviously care because this is all I do. I don't think I, I ever do. went through like not caring though. Like you didn't care at the beginning? I'm, when I say I didn't care, I mean... 
massage therapy wasn't my identity. It was my job. It was was something that was... You you got paid, you went home, and you lived your life. exactly. I wasn't, like, upset. You know, I see these, for example, students who come in to take courses at Con Ed. It's already their life. And they're so gung-ho, you know? Like, I'll meet someone, and I'm like, how long have you been practicing? Two years. And I'm like, I've seen you in class here four times already. In two years, you've taken four of our courses? Like, what? I wasn't doing that when I first got out of school. I wasn't, like, so thirsty to learn and learn. And It's insane. Like, there's people that are in school still yeah and we've they've taken many many of our courses i'm like wow i'm seeing it every year being an internship instructor the i mean it's not a it's not a catch-all situation where you know every single student is like that yeah yeah, yeah. you're seeing a vast majority of the students that are of this mindset that you know what you know how can i get better i want to know like I had a student reach out to me a couple of days ago and, you know, he still got another year of school to finish before he even has to worry about going through his yeah, OSCEs yeah. and his MCQs and all that. And he's already, you know, like just so involved in the profession and where he's at in his mind and, you know, where he wants to move with his career. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I think that that is where a lot of people's heads are going now with uh, the profession. Um, now we need to have the proper support systems and the proper structure to make it so that this profession still, I don't want to say exists, but it has a meaningful place within, mm-hmm. you know, healthcare professions mm-hmm. within Ontario, um, you know, f- for the future. Mm-hmm. I was going to say when you, you asked me um, if I really didn't care, like I said, it's not that I didn't care, just it was not it my was, identity. Was your job. But I've just realized, as I said, in recent years that it's something that I think I do take a lot more pride in. So I had a client who is uh, just 18 and her mother told me, you know, she's debating on what to do after high school. And she said, she's actually thinking about massage therapy. And there was like a part of me that was like, I'm so happy right now. Like I've been treating her and so she, you know, she would talk to me and she'd ask me questions and I'm like, oh my God, am I like influencing you in some way? Like you actually think what I do is cool and now you want to do it. And even like when, I mean, my kids are so little, this but even- This job is cool. Though. Yeah, this job is cool. I'm sorry, this job's cool. But even when my kids are like, I want to be a massage therapist, I'm like, cool, go for it. <laughs> it's really funny when they like there's try certain, to practice on me. <laughs> jobs that just sound cool. This is one of them. Musicians, another one of them. It just sounds cool. Personal trainers, another one of them. Like It's true, those actually. Those jobs just sound like- you you got a fucking great life. Do going you on. remember when I was in when I was in school for massage therapy, and I was about halfway through, and I was ready to rip my eyeballs out because I was working full time, and I I just had enough. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I made a mistake, forget it. And I was actually thinking about quitting because I was just so exhausted and so overwhelmed. And I said to Mark, I don't think that I want to do this anymore. He's like, okay, wait. He's like, you don't want to do what? You don't want to be a massage therapist or you don't want to do this like school and work thing all together right now. And I was just sitting there thinking about this. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that like whatever's happening right now isn't working. He's like, because I can tell you when you tell people what you do for work right now, and when you tell people that you're studying to become a massage therapist, he's like, you're, it's a completely different tone in your voice. Like you get excited when you're telling people, I'm going to be a massage therapist in a year. He's like, when you tell people what you do for work now, it's, this is just my job. It's I'd like, love to know you're right. <laughs> your opinions on this, but something I've thought about. And every time I see it, because you see clinics constantly saying like, we've got this overflow of patients and like, we just can't find therapists. There's a shortage, shortage of therapists. and you know, again, going to this point that like the 
type of person graduating and the mindset of that person is totally different in the sense that I look at these offers a lot of the times mm. and I see, um, you know, knowing everything it takes to maintain a clinic and to have people practicing out of there. But oftentimes I, I look at what is being offered and what the splits are, what the compensation is like. And oftentimes it's like, well, why would I want to work in your clinic and build your clinic up mm -hmm. when I can just go do that for go myself? Do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of, you know, if I have, you know, 15 students sitting in an internship class with me and I ask them, you know, what are your plans for the future? Mm -hmm. I'd say 12 of them are saying, I'm going to go do something for myself. Yeah. And that's the vast majority of them. That's a big draw for people to do something like massage therapy because you can. I agree 100%. Work for I, and I always used to kind of preach the same thing. And I still do. I'm like, listen, if you know, if you know eventually you want your own thing, don't fucking wait. What you're going to exactly said you're going to go build someone else's massage therapy practice. You're thinking you're getting all this experience. You're thinking you're going to get clients that are going to come, come with you. I'm like, none of this is going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. The only thing that's going to happen is you're going to have a little bit more money, a little bit more money, but you're now five years behind where you would have been if you did this now. Now, the only thing I can say that I'm sure everyone listening to this is thinking is not everyone wants to be Absolutely. in business for themselves. No, There's a lot right. of people, if they can find the right circumstances and scenario that they just want to go in absolutely do their treatments write their notes and then get out of there um so i, I can you know and i don't think there's anything wrong with that it doesn't there's make you any nothing wrong with lesser of a therapist because no. you don't also want to be a business do you owner. want my opinion on why so many people feel there's a shortage of therapists yeah this is based on nothing okay just okay. Well, for, just setting this up on based on nothing <laughs> um the chain companies, okay. the massage addicts, the hand in stones, they are, they're smart when it comes to business and they're going in and they're showing students who are close to graduating the benefits of coming and working there, right? You, you get your schedule filled up or everywhere you, there's benefits you know, it's everything's done for you. It, there's a lot of perks to working for a place like that. Mm -hmm. When you are a private clinic and you're trying to get therapists to come in. Like one, you're not going into the schools. So you're not getting them right out of there. And also, you know, you might be offering a split that maybe even is a little bit more than massage addicts offering, but you can't guarantee that their schedule's full. They're going to have to build their own practice. They might have to do some extra work on their own. So somebody who doesn't necessarily want to build their own thing and work for themselves, they just want to go in, do their treatments. Mm -hmm they're going to be probably attracted to the massage addicts and the hand in stone, not necessarily the small clinic down the road. And if they're going to have to build up a practice anyway within that small clinic down the road, then why not rent the unit beside it and do that right. on yeah. your own? Totally agree. Totally agree. And then the biggest, the biggest uh, comeback to that is, well, I'm going to get so much experience. I'm like, you want fucking, you want experience? Go fucking find a mentor. Like do it all and get a coach. Do it all and get a mentor. You don't have to fucking be the slave and, and the massage therapy slave and build a practice for this chiropractor for five years to get a mentorship or some sort of guidance. Well, like, for no. people who have the small clinic, the smaller clinics that are trying to get therapists and are struggling, the advice I've given to clinic owners is 
you have to yes transparency possible. definitely when you're putting out your job ads make sure Everything, that they know every fucking what detail. is coming with this you know are they going to have to build their own practice is their clients waiting what hours are you looking for what days are you looking for how much freedom do they like be as transparent yes. as possible because somebody reading an ad that just says like massage therapist wanted That's or it, more know. more appropriately female massage therapist wanted yeah. somebody reading that and there's no details i don't care i don't care right I don't care. Be really upfront with what you're looking for and what your clinic has to offer. And trust me, there's clinics out there that RMTs would love to work at. I think the clinics just need to do a better job at getting the information out there to get the right people applying for the job. Because I've worked in clinics where, um, I mean, I've I've not really worked so much on splits. It's mostly been like renting, but I've rented rooms in clinics where I'm working under the umbrella of the clinic. So it appears as though I'm an employee there. You know what I mean? Like any clients coming in that didn't know better, I I in this clinic and I I work here, right? And these places that I've worked at or rented at are incredible. Like I didn't have to build my own thing and I didn't mind making money for that clinic. You know what I mean? Because I really liked being there. I liked the people there. I liked the environment. I was given the opportunity to have freedom and run my practice the way I wanted to. So if you're somebody that doesn't necessarily want to open your own clinic, but you want to have some freedom to run your practice the way you want to, there are clinics that you can work at that you would love. It's just, I think the clinic owners need to, you know, not just write massage therapist wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I was, um, to shift direction a little bit, I was speaking with the um, associate dean of uh, the college that I work for. Mm-hmm. And we were having a conversation sort of along the lines of like, you know, where the profession is going and how how are we going to get it there? And, you know, sometimes, you know, just along the lines of like, how, what, why is it, taking like it feels like you're dragging through mud sometimes to get you know these changes forward and she was asking me you know what what do you think it is like well, what is it gonna gonna take and I, I know I, thought, I probably sound like a broken record at this point but I really do think that we need to continue to reach out to that first generation those early those therapists that are now entering the profession mm-hmm. and giving them uh, the right education having them come out with a solid critical thinking ability and understanding of evidence-based practice like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And so something that that I that I didn't bring up that that I often think about is we the success of a school cannot be marked by, you know, what is their pass fail rate for, you know, the OSCEs and MCQ. No. Um, and I think that's a lot of the times it's like, you know, when when you're asking, whenever I see a, a post or someone inquiring about, oh, what, what school should I go to? I live in this area. It's like, okay, well, here's the closest school to you. And they've got an 85% success rate. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a good one to go to. And, you know, I, I always have to reinforce the idea that these are entry to practice exams. It doesn't yeah. speak. And, you know, yes, you need to. And it, it's something that I always stress when I'm teaching. Here's what I need you to know as a student, because this is what the CMTO is going to expect you to know. So you need to know these things. And now, once we've gotten through that, and we're sort of weaving that into practice and teaching throughout the entire time, here's what's actually going to make you a good therapist. Mm -hmm, Here's mm -hmm. what's actually going to make you have a successful practice and make you actually enjoy the job because you're seeing people get better and you're getting referrals and you're taking satisfaction in your work. Um, So yeah, I I know again, I sound like a broken record, but I, I really think that education and um you know again accreditation and having a standard 
that we set ourselves by and, you know, making it more of a, you know, I hate to sound like a bit of an elitist, but we it should be a little bit more of an, an elite rank of, you know, this is a difficult program to get into. This is a diff- difficult profession to mm. succeed at. And, um, you know, you need to sort of be, bring your game if you want to, you want to, you know, you think, you think there's too many schools? You think, yes. there's, you think there's too many massage therapists that come out every year? Yeah. You, you want that exclusive stuff, right? Eh? It, it's not necessarily that I want the exclusiveness. Well, I think because, part of that brings elevation the way I think you're talking about elevation much faster. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, to, you know, the small town therapist yeah. who is saying that, you know, I'm booked four months in advance because I'm one of two massage therapists in the town. Um, you know, I don't think that we want to fully limit the options of where people can go. So it's not that I think if, listen, if every school mm-hmm. could get to the point where they're going to say, you know, this is the standard that we have and everyone is held to that same standard. So exactly what the accreditation process is trying to accomplish. Right. If every school could meet that standard, I think fantastic. Have, you know, the more schools, the merrier. Right. The reality is I don't think most could or would be willing to. And it's hard to regulate that if there's so many schools. Like it's hard to, like how do you, how is there any quality assurance happening that these schools are actually following what they say they are? You know, anyone could put anything down on a piece of paper and say, this is what we're doing and this is the curriculum we're following and this is how we hire our instructors. And that if there's 50 some odd schools, who's actually making sure that made this is up what's that happening? Number, eh? I don't know how many schools there are. <laughs> just so you know, then maybe it's just it's just totally maybe made there's, up. Maybe there's mid thirties. Like, I don't know. The point I is, there, check. yeah, there are a lot of massage schools, and <laughs> it maybe, yeah, streamlining the education. We this has come up so many times, and so many therapists have said the same thing that the education does need to be a little bit more standardized, and we do need to be held to a little bit of a higher standard. There's even people who talk about making it a de- degree. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think maybe just making it a little more um yeah more standardized like you were saying so in in a way i do agree with it moving towards being a degree i don't think that that is the short term goal mm-hmm. i think accreditation is a much more uh short term realistic goal for us to reach that i think does a lot to elevate us as a profession but i think that is a long term goal to, to move towards being you know a degree program that takes more of a uh an interest in, in research and understanding research. And, you know, what I would love to see, as much as it's not true, is you look at a chiropractor and you say they're the expert on joints and they do adjustments and they can, you know, mm-hmm. uh, make yeah, yeah, uh, diagnoses. Um, here's the the physiotherapist and they're experts on exercise and injury rehabilitation. So as much as it's not the only thing we do, we should be looked at as the experts in soft tissue. That's, we, we, That's what we, I call myself, yeah. <laughs> the soft tissue experts, totally. But the, the unfortunate reality is what your the, the letters behind your name matter and the type of degree, so whether you have a diploma, a degree, a master's, a PhD, it matters to people. Um, so whether that makes, you know, you or I, you know, worse or better than, you know, people often ask me, uh, you know, I have this issue. Should I go see a chiropractor, a physiotherapist, or a massage therapist? And my answer is always, go see whoever's best. Mm-hmm. Because with with the exception of what I consider the minutia of the differences in our scope of practice, you know, unless I can specifically say, you actually need to go get an adjustment, mm-hmm. then 
I don't really care who you go to see. You need to go see someone that's going to look at you as an individual, do a proper assessment, mm-hmm. and then take whatever course of action is necessary. Mm-hmm. I agree. Anything else we need to talk about that the RMTAO? I want to know so many things. I want to know if you end up being a board member and you are surrounded by everyone else who is just go with the flow, go with the flow, go with the flow. See the fire coming already. He's not going to go with the how flow. Much of a, how much of a fight we putting up? So, have you thought about this? I have. All right. I have thought a lot about that. And and you know, I, I think that the wait, one Wait, wait, wait. Why have you thought about this? Are you anticipating this? In a way, um, not necessarily that I'm anticipating a, a, a fight, but I mean, uh, one thing, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because one thing I, I was thinking about that I did want to get across speaking to you guys was that we need to be pulling in the same direction. And mm. uh, in a lot of ways, um, RMTs, I find, are we have a lot of disagreements, whether it's on scope of practice or whether it's on, you know, what is the most, in- I think if you asked most people right now, like what the most important thing for us to accomplish is, it would be HST exemption. Is that what most people would say? Most people would probably say that. I'm not in that camp at yeah. all, but most oh, people would okay. probably say that. I think that that would be high up there. Um, and while I think that that's something, you know, of importance that we should strive for, I think that there are so many other things that we should be looking to attain as a profession to to elevate ourselves. So, you know, the 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 thing for me to to your question mark is not to, you know, have argument for the sake of argument, but mm-hmm. how can I make sure that for my part that I'm trying to have us pull in the same direction as much as possible because I can have all the best ideas, two things, I can have all the best ideas in the world mm-hmm. and if we aren't working towards the same goal, then we're not getting anywhere. Right. And, you know, from what my understanding is of the way that the board of directors operates is this isn't something where, you know, I'm going to be able to just walk in the door and, you know, start kicking over tables and saying, well, this is the way things need to be done. Like it's an advisory board. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that I, you know, to, to a large extent, you're, you know, fulfilling the role that you're selected to be in. Mm -hmm. There's an advisory part of it, but a lot of it is you know, here are the tasks that we need to accomplish within these different, mm-hmm. you know, groups. And so you're assigned to this and you're assigned to that. Um, but for those opportunities that there are to, you know, truly advise and, and make uh, your opinions heard, mm-hmm. um, I'm very willing to speak up and, and make what I think matters heard. And, and, and to just make sure, again, that we're pulling in the same direction, but also that we're working with purpose. Right. I think is is the most important important thing for me that, you know, we're whatever it is that we're discussing or, you know, the direction that we're trying to achieve is okay, well, what are the actual tangible steps and what are we doing to you know, actually achieve this on on a on a physical tangible level. Mm-hmm. I think you've got the right personality to to fulfill this role like you uh, understand that listening is a big part of it. It's not about going in and knocking over tables. Uh, as you said at the beginning, you're open-minded, but yet, you know, firm in what needs to be done. You know, you're not there just to be there and say like, hey, look, I'm on the board of directors. You have ideas that you want to that you want to get out there. But I, I like the fact that you're saying we need to all be pulling in the same direction. There's no point in going in there and, you know, just 
starting arguments or, you know, stirring shit up for the sake of stirring shit up because that's not going to get anything accomplished. What we were so talking that, about earlier, if you have two hours to talk about something, yeah. we can easily spend an hour of that just arguing about nothing and then you finish and it's like, well, we did a whole lot of arguing, but, <laughs> didn't, but we didn't, didn't get accomplish anything a whole done. lot much. Yeah. So I think you've got the right mentality and the right personality that you're going in open-minded and willing to be part of the establishment, but make sure that, you know, what what's happening at that level is bringing the profession forward. And because you've now been in it for six years, you know what RMTs want. You know, you have colleagues, you listen to people, you know what they're looking for. Like you understand that, you know, there's clinics that can't find therapists and think there's a shortage of jobs. You understand, you know, the mentality of students because you work in education. So I think that you've got a lot of uh, good qualities and a lot of a lot of things on your side to be successful in this role and not just be a body at a table. Or I mean on Zoom, because I assume nothing is in yeah. person anymore. <laughs> Not just be a face on a screen. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else gunning for board member positions. How well do you know them? So I, I, think I made a post on, uh, I, I find social media, as much as I use it, I think social media is, is an absolute cancer. I think it's the worst. I think it's, it's <laughs> it, it was such a good idea for uh, the RMT to take down that Oh, that yeah. board. Oh, Interesting. I, I, yeah. I, I tell me, it, tell me why. Tell me why you think that was a good idea. In general, mm-hmm. I think you know <laughs> this is a bit of a crude example, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, nothing's crude next to me. Dude. Um, <laughs> in a small village, you know, hundreds of years ago, there when you know, you know, maybe you congregated in groups of you know, there's a thousand people in the village. There was always a village idiot. There was always one person who just, just had you know, ridiculous opinions about things or just no one really took seriously. But, you know, he was out there saying what he said because they were there to say, you know, you can do whatever you want. Um, Social media has made it so that, you know, in in a way that I'm I'm all for people having their freedom to express themselves and say (laughs) what they would like to say. But it's just so much room for people to just say the most ridiculous things that become very inflammatory and that's and, the shit that goes viral the village idiot always goes viral and, and you know and you know what it is like i i i really hope i don't offend anyone in saying that because i don't what i hate about social media is it represents things that are happening on a minor level as if it's happening on a major level and so you would have looked at that RMTO group before it was taken down and said, these are the most disorganized, unprofessional, not serious group of people that I've ever seen in my life. And I know that there were people who were able to unfortunately access the board who weren't RMTs. Mm-hmm. And I can't, ima- I can't imagine why you'd want to be on that page if you weren't an RMT. But I can only imagine that if I were to join some physician's board and be on their Facebook group and seen half of the conversations that I saw over the couple of years that I would have been like, what is the state of our medical profession? I I don't think I would have gone that route because if I'm mindful enough to use Facebook and I'm mindful enough to uh, to understand groups, then I would also be mindful enough to take note of who's having these conversations. And you're probably seeing the same people having the conversations. It was the same people, but it's it's easy to get sucked into and then it makes you angry. But what I'm saying (laughs) is if I'm that person who's mindful enough to understand how a group works, therefore I'm mindful enough to see who's having these conversations and I see seven people that are going back and forth 
every every post that's happening, but then I look at the number of group members being 7,500, I'm like, well, this isn't really a representation of the profession. This is these these four people that apparently don't have clients. But I just talk back and forth. And I don't think most people would, though. I don't think, don't most, think most I don't, people I don't think most people, I, I, even as I a very- I gave them the benefit on that one, you're but saying. But even as a very conscious person yeah, myself, yeah, yeah. it was very easy to just go like, to just open up my Facebook sometimes and just be like, oh, this is just like ridiculous. <laughs> and close it down and just to become frustrated with like you know, I would walk into the doors of the college that I teach at yeah. I would go to see a professional that I think is really good uh, within the profession right. and I would say like wow look at the amazing diversity <laughs> that we have in this profession yeah, 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 look yeah. at all the amazing things that are happening and then I'd open up my Facebook for 30 seconds and be like oh never mind we're going nowhere <laughs> so it, it, it's it, it is like a very sort of dangerous thing again like the, the voice the voice of few yeah, yeah. reflects the, the emotions of well, yeah, Facebook even, land is so small but you even had to tell me that and oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not an idiot yeah, but yeah. there would be times where I'd be reading some of the RMTAO stuff and I would just be just getting annoyed just reading it i'm like what what is this conversation even about like why even ask that question like it it was it was annoying and he was the one that would say to me in a profession of 15,000 people you're looking at a conversation like majority what he would say to me is majority of majority of rmts don't even know this is happening you know like you are concerning yourself with something that most rmts don't even know this is happening they're just going to work they're practicing they're loving their life and they don't even know this is going on you're i'm like you're right why am i getting sucked into this it's so funny to me it's it's entertaining i don't don't know maybe that sounds horrible because i'm i'm just viewing it all like a it's there for my entertainment (laughs) (laughs) no there'd be times where i would like go on just to see the discussions but yeah there was a lot of stuff that i'm like is is this helpful? You know, on one hand, we're saying we want to elevate the profession and move things forward, but we're arguing about table warmers. I don't know, just making up something ridiculous. Like you said, something small that you're like, why is this a discussion right now? <laughs> and there were, you know, some relevant conversations, For sure. and some nice things that were happening there. But I often found that the unfortunate reality was that those were the ones that got one or two responses. You know, someone would post something about, you know, uh, how to address a, a certain type of impairment or, you know, something interesting they came across in research right. that affects us directly. And it would be like two comments. Hmm. Because people <laughs> thrive off the drama. And I think that that's part of what social media has just done to us as society, even like everything is, if it's not dramatic in some way, you're just scrolling past. This Which, is not interesting. Again, I- I'm happy that it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I'm happy that we can have more energy and more time to put towards the things that matter. Mm -hmm. And that, again, I think without that board there, that we have a more serious representation, that we have the potential for a more serious representation. And not that we couldn't with it there, but I think one of the main things that came up was that the amount of time that was being directed to supervising this board was taking away from... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> other things that could have been oh, yeah. you know the better time spent for yeah board directors of the RMT or whoever was overseeing this page right. there's much better things that they could be doing to advance our profession than I feel they just need to hire a social media person I think that would make a huge difference. Do you want to do that job? No. I think they need <laughs> to hire a marketing social media fucking company and go from there. If I could tell you to that point, again, we've yeah. spoken twice now about 
you know, hiring or adding something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's one thing that I hope to accomplish, if, you know, I'm able to become one of the board of directors is to increase our numbers. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's to find a way yeah. of reaching more people and having them, you know, get to the same place that we are and understanding that why it is important to be uh, an RMTAO member. Um, because, you know, we, we can't be taken seriously, whether it's, you know, when we're reaching out to different government figures or whether we're trying to represent ourselves as a whole to an insurance company yeah. when we don't represent a large enough body. It's true. They need a social media person. They need a marketing social media person. I'm telling you, right? There's no reason why their their Twitter followers are less than 2,000. There's no mm. reason for that. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for, you know, three days ago, they started an Instagram account, right? <laughs> like this, shit, I don't know. More members, more money can hire more people. I, I, I get it. You, it's got to start somewhere. It's come full circle, vicious it's, cycle. It's got to start somewhere. <laughs> it's got to start somewhere. Um, before we before we do end off tonight, though, because you know you are running for the board of directors, people do know who you are. Do you want to leave any information? Like, yeah, do you sure. do you want to leave social media information or email? Like anybody who who wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? You can reach out to me. Uh, my website, well, probably better. My Instagram is uh, is the same as my website. Actually, it's High Performance Rehab uh, is my Instagram. Um, you can reach out to me at Christopher Lamb at highperformancerehab.com. And you know, I'm I'm very open to you know talking. And you know, my, my biggest thing is I I, I really want to communicate. Like I, I if if I'm gonna be doing a role where I'm representing the thoughts and ideas of you know my colleagues, um, I I want to have I think I think it's important to have the input of my colleagues and mm-hmm. to understand, you know, as you spoke to earlier, um, the feelings and the types of things that uh, RMTs want to see promoted within the profession. Mm-hmm. So um, whether it's, you know, I can answer a question to, you know, what other things I hope to accomplish is being a on the board or um, anything at all, really. I'm always open and happy to have conversation that is you know, towards making this profession where we want to see it. Awesome. I don't know. Thank you for coming in tonight. Thank you for inviting me. I think we both uh, want to go grab dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hungry. <laughs> I, I, when you said that in the beginning, I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, man, I'm so hungry. I'm like, I got to starving. <laughs> make sure that I can like put together coherent sentences. <laughs> I came straight from swim practice to here with my, I literally dropped my daughter off to the babysitter and said like, feed her dinner. I got to go. And I didn't take anything to go. So yes, it's so, dinner time. I know. I've been I've been fucking this room for like yeah nine, Mark was nine doing this Mark morning. was doing MCQ prep all day so yeah, I was like oh so well, all I did was talk all fucking all fucking day long all I did was well talk. then it's a good time to wrap it up sir yes. thanks for coming by this was fun thank I you appreciate it. appreciate it right on you guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone peace.